Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just sound like Buck Martinez, Teoscar Hernandez. <laughs> Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, the boy. <laughs> the Brewers acquired William Contreras in the biggest heist trade I've seen in years. <laughs> Xander Bogarts would be in a Red Sox uniform right now. Well, maybe not now because it's the middle of December, but ah. he would still be on their roster. <laughs> just just lounging in a Red Sox <laughs> uniform. And welcome to episode number 254 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we have noticed that things happen right after we record since 2013. It's, I mean, tradition's important, right, Josh? Absolutely. I'm I mean, your host, Greg. We have Greg our Zuzuki. thing, and we got to yeah. let people just stick with that. <laughs> I am uh, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as always, by the unpredictable Joshua Housem. Uh Tonight's agenda, we have uh, a hopefully an abbreviated podcast, because although things have happened, it's not the hugest list of things. Uh, Blue Jays signed Kevin Kiermeyer, outfielder for the hated Tampa Bay Rays. No longer. Uh, they signed Chris Bassett, uh, ex-Oakland A and New York Met, uh, for the starting rotation. We wave goodbye, folks to Ross Stripling. Um, farewell, sweet prince, we hardly knew ye. Uh, we talk about what's left, because now that some, things, some chips have fallen, uh, that might make the picture clearer as to what, what options the Jays have left on the table. We take a bunch of your questions, and then we have a do-over for Red Sox president and CEO Sam Kennedy, who, mm, not, a, not a real studious quote from him, we'll, we'll put it that way. But first, Kevin Kiermaier. Um, how are you feeling, Josh? Well, so obviously we have a little more context for, for this move, but just, it's still the offense. So I can't properly answer this question yet. <laughs> <laughs> There's what Kiermaier brings to the table is, I mean, he has established it for a very long time. He is the best center fielder defensively in baseball. Maybe one of the best in the last few generations easily the best to wear a blue jays uniform since devon white but he doesn't stay on the field a lot uh, he hasn't reached 130 games since 2015 he's only cleared 100 games twice since 2017 
Uh, he played 50 games in the strike short in the um, COVID shortened season, so he stayed healthy that year. And he's coming off hip surgery, so his ability to stay on the field is very much in question. Which is fair. Um, and he used to be a reasonable offensive threat and a fantastic defender. And now we're down to, provided the hip surgery was successful, we're, we're down to fantastic defender. Um, which is yeah. to say, say he's, he's, he's not the... You don't want him as your everyday starting center fielder, do you? Right. And this is what I was getting at where I can't actually say what I think of the move yet. Because in a vacuum, there's nothing wrong with giving Kevin Gearmeyer. He's like we said, he's an excellent defensive center fielder. And as recently as 2021, he was a league average bat. So those two things combined makes for a very useful player. But he hasn't been a league average bat in four of the last five years. And as we said, he's very injury prone. So if he's plan A for center field, then it's a problem. If he's one of the options for center field, say in a platoon with, well, George Springer being the other center fielder, but with someone else off the bench coming in, when there's a righty or lefty on the mound, that's a much more palatable option because then you have, you know, another outfielder, which we'll get to in a bit. but then you have someone else to come in for performance reasons and for when he inevitably has to miss some time. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a piece of a puzzle that we, like you said, we don't have, maybe we don't have all the pieces of yet. So it would be, uh, if this is how the blue Jays go into spring training in the outfield situation, this was, this was not enough, but yeah. Yeah. But we don't uh, take that. Yeah. Now, one thing that should be mentioned, this does fit very well with, what the Jays have stated is a goal of this offseason, which actually really started with the Teoscar Hernandez trade, which is to get much better at run prevention, which can mean pitching or defense. And in this case, obviously, it's defense. The Jays were not a very good defensive team last year. They had extreme shifts that they employed, especially in the outfield, to mitigate some of their shortcomings. And they actually worked more than they didn't, but... I don't know if you could say it was a success and they still had by just the individual player defensive run save stats, one of the worst defensive outfields in baseball. So Teoscar Hernandez, who was one of the biggest offenders is gone. George Springer is a competent center fielder, but an excellent right fielder. So he has now moved to right. Kiermaier is in center, much better defensive outfield. So, it does align with what they've stated, but now they just need to work on some of the offense. Um, yeah, we got time for that. Uh, speaking of run, is that, I think that covers Kiermaier, potentially. I think so, yep. Um, Only bats so, left-handed, important. <laughs> uh, yeah, hard to come by sometimes. So, uh, speaking of run prevention, uh, Chris Bassett, he knows how to do that. Like, Chris Bassett, I feel like, is one of those guys, because he played a ton of time in Oakland, You've never thought about him unless he was on the mound against you in Oakland. That's that's me as the, you know, the the Blue Jays fan versus the baseball fan talking. Yeah, uh, and even when he went to New York, the Mets last season, it didn't come across as oh the Mets have picked up a star pitcher. It was oh they picked up a good number four behind Degrom, you know, Scherzer, Scherzer, Carrasco, right? 
he was their second best pitcher because DeGrom was hurt for most of the season. And he has basically been the exact same pitcher, basically going back to 2016 or 17. And he even took steps forward with the Mets in his pitch mix. So I think that while he's not a household name, and I mean, he will be able to become one for Blue Jays fans just by being <laughs> on the team. Yep. He should be. I mean, he's a very, very good pitcher. Yeah, he also doesn't dazzle with stuff, right? A 93-mile-an-hour fastball and the ability to locate it very, very – locate all of his pitches very, very well is how he gets to where he gets. So it, it is not um, – you know, he does not have the curveball of um, uh, Clayton Kershaw. He, he does not have the – you know, even though he has a mix of pitches, he doesn't have like 12 of them like you, Darvish. So I think unless you watch him on a regular basis, maybe he's not the easiest guy to talk about and sing the praises of. He just gets results. Yeah. And we should mention the contract. It was a three-year deal for $63 million. It's exactly the going rate for a pitcher of his Quality, I, I, you could argue it's actually given this market a good deal because the guarantee is lower than what Jamison Tyone and Taiwan Walker got, and I think he's better than both of them. And you you talked about his his pitch mix being how he gets by. It's very similar to Ross Stripling in that sense, but just better. He has an elite sinker that he uses to get weak contact. He's not a big ground ball guy, you would think, for someone who has such a good sinker. But in terms of the average exit velocity that he gives up, he's in the 95th percentile on the good side. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's the fifth percentile actual number. And that's just an extreme ability to control what is happening off the bat, which you know a lot of people think you can't do, but you can. And Alec Manoa on the Blue Jays is a great example of this. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways, Manoa and he, in terms of not having elite fastball but getting elite results, kind of uh, seem similar, at least on the surface. Yeah, Manoa throws harder, but it's the same idea. It's not a big bat-missing fastball. It's not coming in at 99, 100 miles an hour. One of the interesting things about Bassett as well, he has pitched in pitchers' parks. City Field is a pitcher's park, and Oakland definitely is. So there is some potential regression you know, that could could be happening towards his road stats, which are a little worse than his home stats. But he also has played with some shaky defenses. Uh, Chris Black, uh, at Down to Black on Twitter, who works for Sportsnet, tweeted this out. He did a whole thread about Bassett when the Jays acquired him. But one thing he noted, which was very interesting, is that he said that no pitcher in baseball allowed more base runners on grounders to third last year than Bassett. And, and he, he qualified. This wasn't line drives past the third baseman. It was ground balls to third. <laughs> and the Blue Jays have the best defensive third baseman in the American League. And they have him for a reason, right? They, they, I'm, I'm sure Bassett was a target because uh, they knew that they wanted a defense or they already had pieces in the defense behind him that would support uh, the kind of contact he gets. Right. And this ties back into the Kiermaier acquisition where, again, Bassett doesn't get a ton of ground balls for a sinker baller. He's still ground ball heavier, but it, it, they've increased the defense at two positions in the outfield by signing Kiermaier. So they have a, a decent selection of guys that rely on contact 
suppression for outs. So you need people who can actually turn those balls in play into outs. And, uh, and for yeah. those of you who have not remembered, uh, the shifts are effectively limited in many, many ways this year. Th those rules come into effect in 2023. So the Blue Jays can't, uh, quote unquote, game the system the way they were th last year to make up for those inefficiencies. Well, they could still do it in the outfield, but they can't do it in the infield. Well, they, although they can't use the four-man outfield right. anymore. Yeah, I was just going to say, that you can't put banned. that fourth yeah. guy in the outfield. So that's that was a lot of what they were doing in the outfield to really try and mitigate things. Yeah, and, and the infield shifts, you can still somewhat cheat it. That thing where they say it's not a shift on TV, which drove me crazy all season, <laughs> where the second baseman is just to the inside of the bag, so technically he hasn't crossed it. It's still a shift. It's just not a banned one now. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a it's a much less efficient shift. <laughs> yeah, so that actually will be interesting to watch as to how it will affect guys like Bassett and Manoa. But getting better defenders is, as we mentioned, how you mitigate that. And I, I'm just I'm really happy with this move. I think that we talked about how the Jays needed to get a good pitcher. I wasn't. I said it on the last episode that the idea of just making the guy they get be Ross Stripling was not enough for me. We'll get to Stripling in a minute, but I wanted them to get someone who could raise the quality level of this rotation, especially if Barrios doesn't bounce back. They needed someone who could be a legitimate, reliable number three starter, and there weren't many of those on the market, and the Jays got one. Yeah. Um, now, we should talk about the... Uh, not the this year downside, but the potential downside of the contract is that Bassett is already 34 years old. Um, so he will like he, he will be 34 in, I think, February. Um, so this is a this is a contract in which you are going to be paying a 37 year old pitcher uh, in, in the final year of the contract. I know that 36, uh, sorry, 36 year old pitcher in, in the final year of the contract might not get you the value uh, that you were hoping for at that point. But I don't think the Jays are overly concerned about three years from now. I know none of the fans are, but that's that's the only downside. I mean, certainly better than a four or five-year contract for some of the other guys on the market. So, Yeah, and that was that. the interesting part. There were rumors that Bassett was seeking a four-year deal, which, you know, given everything else was happening on the pitching market, wasn't crazy. But he lines up now very well with the free agency ages, you know, they could get extended, of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bobichet. Which means that there's no chance he will be dead money when they need to resign those guys. And I think given the fact that Gossman and Barrios will both be in their mid-30s while those contracts, like when, when that time comes, not having another one of those guys on the roster was very good planning. They might have actually stretched the average annual value of the contract to get three years, which is the exact opposite of what these tax teams have been doing with all these other contracts. Yeah. All right, let's let's break my heart. Just just say what happened with Ross, Ross Tripling. I, I don't know if I can even say it, Josh. You left your heart in San Francisco? Oh no. <laughs> it worked perfectly. I didn't even I didn't even think about that when you said that. Uh yeah, Ross Stripling is a San Francisco giant. He signed for two years and $25 million today. We're recording this on Tuesday. So, and yeah. he. You, you win. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I didn't no, no. want Ross Stripling back. No, no, you, you, you win in the aspect of how much his average annual, annual value was short of what the qualifying, qualifying offer would have been. So, you win. <laughs> 
okay. So there was this thing going around that the Jays should have qualified Ross Stripling and people saying it was a mistake that they didn't when the pitching market went the way it did. Clearly they did it right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the qualifying offer was one year at 19.8 million and he got two years, 25 million. And the Jays ended up with a better pitcher. That said, I would have loved if Stripling came back with Bassett as the number five. Would have made the Jays a really strong pitching team. They, they still could be, but it would have really solidified the question marks in the rotation if you don't have Kikuchi and White battling for that five spot. But I don't think the Jays were ever going to give him this deal after signing Bassett. And I think it's a really good deal for him and a really good park for him to he has an opt-out to to really just go and show that he can pitch 160, 70 innings as a full-time starter and then hit the market again next year and really cash in like Bassett did. Yeah. So I just, you know, want to say mad respect to Russ Stripling for really from from a a rocky first season here, you know, having some problems, getting beat up by the Red Sox, turning into a real gem by the time he left, and doing everything that the club asked him with a smile on his face. I I'm gonna miss him. Oh yeah. I mean, chicken strip was just, yeah. he, he leaned into the nickname. He, everything about this guy was just exactly what you wanted as a fan rooting for a player. Really smart, really, really funny in interviews actually too, but he'll just have to, we'll just have to root for him before. Thank goodness he went to the national league West so we can be like, yeah, stripling, you go do well. Yeah, you kick butt wherever you are. Just, you know, we don't have to worry about it. At least until, no, game 168 or something. <laughs> Worst case. Um, okay. So that is what's happened. We alluded to this, but a couple of things still need to happen for this to be, uh, to look like a successful offseason. And I guess the other one is uh, there needs to be a bat to fill the gap that Teoscar Hernandez left, right? We've, we've more than filled his defensive prowess, but somehow you need to get his production back. And his production is was not insignificant any of the last four years. No, Teoscar Hernandez was one of the most, I just sound like Buck Martinez, Teoscar Hernandez. <laughs> Teoscar Hernandez. <laughs> fill the void. Yeah, he's retiring potentially, so I have to fill the void of saying names wrong. But yeah, Teoscar Hernandez was one of the, more productive bats in the outfield over the last three or four years. So replacing that isn't easy. They're going to try to replace their value with defense so far, but the clear need is a slugging left-handed bat or it doesn't have to be slugging. They have to be a power hitter, but just a very good hitting left-handed bat. Ideally one that can play the outfield well, because if they can move Lourdes Gurriel to the DH, so say they sign, like they're, they're obviously the hypothetical free agent that people keep talking about is Michael Conforto. If they could put Conforto in left, Kiermaier in center, and Springer in right, that's a really good defensive outfield. And then Lourdes Gurriel can just be in a fun hitter with his, make his cocktails on the bench during the defensive <laughs> innings too. <laughs> but it also gives you that flexibility if those two guys who have had injury trouble, right? If you... Uh... If you end up with a George Springer off for two weeks or Kevin Kiermaier off uh, on the injured list, um, moving Springer to center and Gurriel into left and Conforto into right isn't the end of the world, right? You've, you've upgraded everything, so you have a little bit of flexibility before you go dipping into the Jackie Bradley Jr. zone uh, and wondering where all the offense went. 
<laughs> we did that a few too, 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 too many times last year. Heck, I was sad when it was the Rymo Tapia zone, although the chaos energy was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> energy good, results bad. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, Michael Conforto is the opposite of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that that's really important, that they have to be someone who can handle the outfield for the to cover the injury risk that does exist with Springer and Kiermaier. And also... Kiermaier probably shouldn't be playing every day against left-handed pitchers. Not that he's actually a platoon problem. He's pretty bad against both righties and lefties. <laughs> <laughs> but Santiago Espinal and Whit Merrifield are both very good against lefties. So you could play Springer in center, Con um, Conforto in right, and Merrifield in left when there's a left-hander on the mound and get Espinal in there. It gives them the opportunity to platoon at different positions and use their pretty strong bench if they get someone like this to, you know, to improve things further. Yeah. That is on the, you know, uh, the offensive defensive side. Is there a pitching move yet to be made in your mind to, to really make this all work? Well, this is the really fascinating part of this because there is still a big question mark with Yusei Kikuchi and Mitch White. I'm pretty happy with that in a sense. Well, happy is not necessarily the right word. Mm. I, I'm optimistic that both of them are much better than we saw last year because their track records say that they are better. But if you really want to try to win a championship, you probably don't want to be counting on that. Yeah. There's a so. financial question. How much money do the Jays have to spend? And then there's the catchers. I think that there could be an element of just whatever they can get for the catchers because some of these teams that they were fits with to trade have fallen off the board. The Brewers acquired William Contreras in the biggest heist trade I've seen in years. <laughs> I don't – so, okay, I'm just going to tangent for a second. So a lot of people were looking for Murphy's contract – or sorry, trade return – because he was the number one catching market catcher on the trade market, Sean Murphy. Somehow the Brewers weaseled their way into this three-team trade and ended up trading a decent-ish high-contact speed prospect for a power-hitting, slugging young catcher and two relievers just so they could facilitate the Braves getting Sean Murphy. It does seem unbalanced when you put it that way. You, we didn't do the stinger. This is a gold star. <laughs> this is a gold star to Matt Arnold running the Milwaukee Brewers because he should just exec get executive of the year right now. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Here you go. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. He has earned it, and I think he will enjoy it. <laughs> Back to what it means for the Blue Jays. Right. Yeah. Catchers. We have some of those on the <laughs> roster. <laughs> so the sports world was looking for more Blue Jays fan world, I should say, and the writers, what Sean Murphy was going to bring back. The A's return is terrible, but the actual trade return that the Braves send out very strong when you include William Contreras in it. But it took the Brewers off the board, who were a very good match on the pitching side. And 
I don't know that the Diamondbacks are a great match on the hitting side anymore because most of their outfielders are good defensive center fielders. You don't really want to replace Kiermaier with that. So I think that they will do what the best they can there. And that if it's a pitcher, then they'll get another pitcher. Otherwise, I expect they'll roll the dice with Kikuchi and White. I hope they get another one, though. I'd be very interested in that. Absolutely. All right. Um, given all of that is our summary, uh, you folks have questions. So in a minute, we're going to come back. We're going to line them all up and we're going to answer them, I think, one by one, as we usually do. Though occasionally you ask the same question, we have to answer two at once. We'll be right back. And they send me away, teach me how to be sensible, logical, oh, responsible, practical. And then they show me a world where I could be so... Oh, and we're back after having reviewed Josh's gift choice for the, uh, for the tweet that asked all of these questions. Uh, I'm afraid he's been fired. I'm going to be doing the rest of the podcast myself. <laughs> <laughs> but then I realized I don't know the answer to some of this stuff. So first, the questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? I mean, we take comments as well as questions. First one from Matt G at Jays Lightning 79 said, I expect the Jays to trade a catcher right after the turf pod is released. LMFAO. Um, we kind of do also. Like, I'm, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that happened within 24 hours. So, Matt, more power to your strong expectations. The I, uh, first question is from Luke at Split Letters. Uh, what big move slash signing will cause YouTube to be immediately out of date? Keeping with the theme. And then in brackets, I'm feeling much better about the offseason now. Uh, winky face with tongue out. I gave Luke a very hard time on the last podcast, didn't I, Josh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so deserved. He was, I'm glad he was jumping up. You had to pull him back from the ledge. He was, he was really close. I'm glad we're still on speaking terms. So that's good, Luke. Um, what big move <laughs> signing? Have the... Have the uh, the Mariners or the Padres traded anyone in the last, say, 72 hours? Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Those two teams are amazing. I'm going to say, uh, let's say, I, I feel like somehow Seattle will will trade for Sandy Alcantara from, that you know, the, the untouchable. Marlin. But that doesn't make us out of date. That's We don't talk mm. about Mariners moves. I think Matt G's got it. One yeah. of the catchers can get traded between when we have recorded and when we release it wow going all in oh no uh, wait no but that just made us not out of date this see this is a oh it's one, one of those those cyclical in, things where you can't be right <laughs> if you're right you're automatically wrong mm -hmm. okay we just cursed the podcast cool um minor leaguer at minor underscore leaguer says not a blue jays question but about you how are you two doing what are your holiday plans greg I just, uh, I'm doing all right. Um, you know, having a, having a good time, trying to keep myself amused in when I'm not at work and trying to not, uh, you know, lose my mind when I'm at work. I think that's, that's pretty much what we're all doing, right? Holidays, uh, it could be nice and quiet. Just, just keeping it small this year. The in-laws for dinner, you know, open some Christmas presents. And you, Josh? Not quiet. Um, 
We're hosting Christmas for the first time in our house. And so we have been very busy trying to make it hospitable for my wife's family who are coming to visit, including her sister, her parents and sister. And then my sisters and brother-in-law and my wife's cousin are all coming for dinner on, on Christmas. So that will be very busy, but fun. We're li- I'm looking forward to it. It'll be the first time I ever cooking a turkey. So hopefully that goes well. <laughs> well, when it's going poorly, you just phone me up and I'll explain you how to do it properly. Because I, I, I taught my mother-in-law how to how to not dry the turkey out to death. So if I can do that, I can accomplish anything. Greg is a hero. <laughs> now, finally, acknowledgement I deserve. Um, next question. <laughs> Darth- That's because you fired me. This is how I have to get back in your good graces so I can be on the next episode. <laughs> Uh, Darth Blue Jay uh, at the Real Senate. I did not know there was a Darth Blue Jay. Um, welcome to the show. Which millennial pit will be your millennial pit of choice at the newly redesigned Rogers Center? Oh, did you see the footage of the destruction? Did we talked about that? <laughs> I like the way you worded that. <laughs> construction, Greg. Construction. No, first the destruction. <laughs> it is destruction. They did have to destroy the the current outfield of the of the stadium. I didn't, it's pretty I didn't, well destroyed. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't know there would be so much concrete coming down, I think, was my misunderstanding. Well, if you saw what they're planning to do, I don't know if you really looked closely at the renderings. They are completely reshaping the 100 level and the 500 level. Mm. So those things had to come down. The millennial pits that Darth Blue Jay here is refer- referring to, I assume, are these seating areas that are not or they're they're rather communal areas that have tables as opposed to actual seats i will not be in any of them because i have good seats and i don't (laughs) blue jay's twitter is like well we're doing a meetup in the flight deck have fun guys my seats are in the 12th row you guys are good (laughs) i i am also uh I am a bit confused by baseball as a social event that you like pay attention to the game out of the corner of your eye. Like I've never watched, I've never gone to a game paid nearly a hundred dollars for a single seat and wanted to spend the majority of my time, a not in that seat and B having a bit of a time with, with, with people. Like I'm, I'm, I'm focused on the game because I don't go to many games. So I am, also Gen X and not a millennial. So I guess I'm not really qualified to hang in the millennial pit anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. Now you're fired. But I, I, I do understand the concept. I, I, I'm with you. I, like I said, I'll sit in my seats and watch the baseball. But baseball is a slow-moving game, which does lead itself very much to being social, more so than really any other sport. Football is close because there's a long time between plays. And... I think that's just, it's not so much the people who have the $100 seats that are going to be going up there. It's the people who are spending $15 on a 500 level seat. It's a similar vantage point and they can be hanging out with some friends and make it a a good, uh, for 15 bucks, three hours of hanging out with your friends and have some drinks is not so bad and watch a baseball game. Yeah, just don't factor in the cost of the individual drinks. (laughs) Yeah, smuggle your own in because it's not good. Um, Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans six. Hi, Colleen. Um, what trade or signing has surprised you the most so far this baseball off season? Wow. There have been a lot of, them. <laughs> a lot of really unusual ones. I think Xander Bogart signing with the Padres was probably the craziest one to me. 
just because I got them going after Judge, right? They need an outfielder. And there were rumors they threw money at Trey Turner, a lot of money at Trey Turner. But Trey Turner was also the best option. He, he just brings so much to the table. So I thought they would probably just stick with Tatis at short once they missed on Turner. And then they signed Xander Bogarts for 11 years for $280 million. So that one shocked me a bit. For me, it was uh, the Red Sox. Uh, now it's not even on the list. Uh, maybe it's not official yet. Uh, sorry, what was the name of the, the Japanese? Masataki Yoshida? Yeah. I, there, there has always been so much, like, news around postings in the past, right? There's always this period of, oh, is it going to happen? Okay, it's happened. We, we have a chance to bid. This could happen. And, and I don't know if they changed the process or what. But, like, hey, he's posted any sign. What? Did, yeah, did same day. Did you even breathe between those two sentences? That was very strange to me. I was like, I don't. There was definitely uh, some tampering going on there. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no way they were not talking to Scott Boras about Yoshida before he was officially posted. But yeah, there are no tampering rules that, you know, there's unfortunately his Japanese baseball team cannot file a claim against the Red Sox. So too bad. Well, and they, they get their posting money anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Every time I go to read this, I get confused. But at Bud J Rap, sixty-seven nineteen three nineteen. Sixty-seven ninety-three nineteen. Sixty-seven is the Leafs. Ninety-three is the Blue Jays. What's nineteen? Raptors. Ah, there we are. Thank you. The Jays' free agent signing so far could be classified as high floor signings as opposed to high ceiling. I think that's fair. Who would you consider as another potential high floor free agent? What about the potential of a high ceiling free agent? Which do you think is more likely for the Jays to pursue? Ooh. Uh, I don't know if I'd agree with the original classification. I don't know that. I think that Kiermaier and Bassett, well, Kiermaier especially is more of a high ceiling in the sense of, because if his floor is, he doesn't play. <laughs> but also on his the floor. floor. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, Although I guess the floor, when you talk about his skills, is that he's an elite defensive center fielder, and that, that yeah. is something that's not going away. So, okay. But Bassett, I think, has a combination of ceiling and floor. I, I, I think that his actual performance over the last few years, he's one of the, been one of the better pitchers by most of the metrics in baseball. So... I think it was one of them was FIP that had his FIP was better than Garrett Cole's. I hate FIP, but to be in that conversation says something. Uh, as as for the free agents, I think it's the two outfielders, Conforto and Brantley. Conforto's the high ceiling, Brantley's the high floor. That's Michael Brantley and Michael Conforto. <laughs> the Michaels. The Michaels. Um, where does Johnny Cueto fit on that? I would love Johnny. Okay. Look, I, we said this I, last week. I, I did that just I would for be you. So happy if the Jays signed Johnny. He's my favorite non-Blue Jay player. I think he's he's, he's got to be high on the list. Johnny Cueto. No, it's just Cueto. There's Cueto. Cueto. It'd be really sad not being able to chant at him that in the playoffs because I wouldn't want to do it if he's on the team. But that was one of the best times I've ever had at a baseball game. He would be a high floor guy. Fair enough. You know what you're getting, but you're he's old enough that you're not getting any more than that. So there's our there's our high floor guy. 
Yeah. And as for the which is more likely, I don't think there is one. I think it's both. I think they'll just take whichever one they can, the better deal. Yeah. I, I really wonder at this point if it's more likely the catcher trade fills the gap than, than an actual free agent signing. Just, just, uh, because yeah. we, we haven't seen a lot of trades and we know that that seems like a real surplus for the Blue Jays. And there is something we should mention, which we didn't in the top part, that we don't actually know what Kevin Kiermaier signed for yet. <laughs> um, the expectations are that it's going to be one year in the seven to nine million dollar range, somewhere in there, maybe 10. If you go on the outside of that, the Jays are right up against the CBT. So if they are actually going to cross it, they may as well cross it by $15 million because the next threshold is not for quite a bit. But if they are not going to, then it's definitely going to be a trade. But remember, it's not a salary cap. Yeah. Like, also, like, they just have to make another move when they officially sign Kiermaier and Bassett because they're they, – obviously, they can wait as, as long as they want to to do that as long as the terms are agreed to. But – once both of them are on the roster, they'll be at 41 and the max is 40. So someone will have to go off. I expect they're waiting until a trade of multiple 40-man guys to officially sign those two. Which is, again, why I'm, you know, psychic and thinking trade. <clears throat> um, Makes sense. Yeah. So that concludes our questions round, uh, which means we get to move on to, I think, what has become my favorite segment over time. Now that Swing and a Drive just, you know, doesn't work because Dan Schulman doesn't say things like that. Um, Wait, okay, just to interrupt you, we're going to have to go back and just get a collection hits. of swinging yeah. and drives to really send Buck off in the, into the sunset. If yeah, he actually, I, once I, he actually officially retires. Yeah, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna play a ten a, a ten uh, clip game of all the best swinging a drive um, moments, and uh, and we'll see how people. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll we'll uh, we'll bring a patron on, or maybe we will bring uh, Nick on, and we'll. We'll put you guys I think to we should try to get again. Chris Sherwin back on because one of the original players of the game. Yeah. Do you think he still listens? No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. All right. Now I'm going to go to the do-over, uh, which I think fits Krusty very well. Oops. I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... So, in regards to Xander Bogarts, Sam Kennedy, the president and CEO of the Boston Red Sox, was asked, do you regret the early negotiations? And he said, I try not to look back. You can really harm yourself or your plan and harm decision-making if you get too caught up in regrets in the past or any type of fear of the future. What we're trying to do in the moment is make the right decisions. Now, I'm thinking, Josh, that one of the ways that we, we make decisions is by thinking, and I could be wrong here, about the results of previous decisions. Yes, there's a famous <laughs> quote. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. This I've noticed that neither Mookie Betts or Xander Bogarts is still wearing a Red Sox uniform. Sorry, Matthew Corey, but this is, this is a harsh truth. They did the exact same thing with both of them. Maybe because they don't look back and see what went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I've... I really worry for Raphael Devers. Well, I mean, I, I don't worry. I mean, it'd be great no. as a Blue Jays fan if he leaves Boston. But for the Red Sox fans, 
I very much worry for them when it comes to whether Devers will be in the uniform in 2024. If this is the way their president talks about these things. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I could learn a lesson about what happens to a young superstar player when you treat them a certain specific way. Or I could just blindly march forward into the next one who's up on the docket. Yeah, I, I could do both things. Anything could happen. <laughs> yeah. And as for what actually happened here, because some of our listeners might not know, Xander Bogarts had an opt out in his contract that he was due $20 million a year for the next three years. And he opted out. Prior to the season, the Red Sox offered him one extra year at $30 million. So a four-year, $90 million deal. He wanted to stay. He told Boras that he wanted to figure something out. And that's what they came back with. It wasn't in the ballpark. There's no chance that he was going to sign that. No. And he ended up getting 11 years, $280 million. If the Red Sox had just offered him six years, $140 million, what they gave to Trevor Story for some reason, Xander Bogarts would be in a Red Sox uniform right now. Well, maybe not now because it's the middle of December, but ah. he would still be on their roster. <laughs> just just lounging in a Red Sox uniform. <laughs> I don't know what reason. he likes to do. He could be. It he could might be. actually still be in one right now. Maybe he's lamenting his decisions. But And then they and so it came out this year that Devers – again, approaching free agency at the end of the year, was offered the Matt Olson contract, which was $20 million a year for eight years. Rafael Devers is going to get 300 something million. <laughs> if they don't learn, the same thing is going to happen. That is the do-over. Actually learn from your mistakes. We know that's a tall order, but it, it comes with the added bonus of us letting you come on the show and, and speak to uh to how much you've learned and i think that in itself is practically a reward really not just getting to do the duel oh yeah for sure tell you All what right. we'll even let you play swing in a drive yes. if you come on and do it okay so we uh roll into the end of another successful podcast uh except i have not asked you for your final thought yet yeah so one thing i didn't mention when it came to chris bassett he has not made more than 30 starts in a season since 29. Well, ever he only became a full-time starter following his 2017 Tommy John in 2019. The three injuries or the three reasons he has missed time. He got a line drive off the leg. He got a line drive off the face at 115 miles an hour. And he got COVID. So he actually so for one thing, this guy is the toughest guy in the world. Apparently he was texting his teammates from his hospital bed as they're putting his face back together saying, I'm sorry, I can't, I couldn't finish the game. He's apparently a fantastic teammate. And, and, and that's just something that Jay's really needed always. Like they, they seem to focus on this character thing, but anyway, there's not a lot of mileage on his arm because he's had all these random fluke injuries so he actually might be a little healthier than your average 34 year old we shall see um i i think uh for my final thought i i think this this trade of a catcher if it happens and and i do expect it to happen just because it's probably not fair nor optimal to have one of those three guys sitting on the bench all year um, or in the minors all year, in Moreno's case. Um, 
is going strangely enough to define the Blue Jays off season because everything else has been kind of patching holes that we were all in agreement on. And the catcher trade has, has the real chance to change the complexion of the team now for sure. So I'm actually kind of excited and kind of, kind of worried <laughs> both of those things. <laughs> That's pretty fair. And then there is really the all the possibility that they just keep all three of them. They keep saying that they don't have to trade a catcher, which feels like posturing, right? It feels like they have to say that for their trade market. But I'm starting to think they might believe it. <laughs> it seems crazy, right? The idea yeah. that they would keep all three of them. But if they don't get a good trade because all these people are signing catchers or trading for them in different ways, you know, Mike Nizunino signed with Cleveland, so they're out. Um um, the twins signed have Christian Vasquez, so they're out. Who knows? Maybe they, it's just the people they want to trade with don't want to trade with them. I mean, Kirk can DH. We found that out already. All right. That is to say that you have been Joshua Housen at Joshua House, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 254, and we will talk at you when something happens or in a couple of weeks.